As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business, how do you bridge technology and innovation and creativity so that your operations are efficient and focus on what matters? This episode is dedicated to answering that question. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you listen to episode 8, we discuss how nucleic sensing systems develops and implements innovative equipment and solutions that provide insight into critical biological activity in the aquaculture industry. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of the Business of Agriculture podcast. This episode, we have Nathan Pine Carter, who is the CEO at Ace Aquatech. Welcome, Nathan. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Ace Aquatech, whose headquarters is in Scotland, United Kingdom, but also have operations worldwide. They have the technology that accelerates the adoption of responsible marine practices. Welcome again, Nathan. <laughs> Hi there. Thanks. <laughs> they help customers thrive by making their operations efficient, ethical, and sustainable. Nathan leads a global team that aims to use technology and creativity to accelerate the world's transition to responsible aquaculture. So let's get this show started. So maybe you can give us a background, Nathan, on how you got started in the industry. Sometimes I wonder that myself. You know, I started out a while back, left university and had more of an interest in screenwriting. And I'd gone out of university, took that very different industry in the arts and written a few screenplays for Ealing Studios and BBC Films. But alongside this, a sort of a, a parallel existence was going on with my mother. She'd teamed up and partnered up with John Ace Hopkins, who had left and started up his own business. This was back in 2001. And he was a, a, a sort of an inventor, back of the, the garage type inventor. Uh, he had some very good ideas, but was a self-taught engineer. And he developed the first deterrent system to keep seals away from fish farms and a very early version of our electric stunner. As time went by with the financial crash and various other life changes, there came a point where I started to get involved with the business. I was living in Germany at the time, and I offered to help get involved and see if I could do anything with the local farmers. So, you know, just uh, took a, a trip in the car and would visit and, you know, so was aware of the products, but had no great dealings with the company. Sadly, John died in 2011. And at that point, we faced a bit of a, a crisis with the company. It was, do we put this away in a box and say, okay, I've got no technical know-how. Um, we just 
fold the business? Or do I stop all the dreams of screenwriting and acting and jump into this crazy but interesting business? So I went for the latter, which I'm, I'm pleased I did. And I think what became immediately apparent is just what an exciting space it is. And from the outside, I mean, it all sounds a bit strange when you first get into um, fish farming, but what you, you see immediately is the enthusiasm for new solutions to the problems that they have. That was quite infectious. And I think I've always personally had a, a really strong interest in technology. You know, I read avidly all the things that come out and the podcasts like this to see what sort of new innovations are out there. So when I came to the business, I didn't have the option of getting in the garage and getting involved with those systems. That's, you know, I don't have a, a, an engineering background, but what I could do was see the solutions, the concepts. So I set to work applying for grants, brought in some grant money to develop these further. I outsourced them. So we took the sort of the Apple-esque uh, route of subcontracting system development and even the assembly and build of those systems. So we ended up with some very robust, interesting products that fitted a certain niche. There was a key problem in our our core product range, which was sealed deterrence. So the problem obviously being the huge amount of losses that farmers experience when seals are attacking their pens. But we needed to come up with a solution that addressed that problem that was doing so in a way that that cared for the natural environment and didn't impact non-target species, for example. So we developed, you know, we had a a great solution there, a triggered deterrent. And as I say, I took the approach of outsourcing that. And then it was a case of getting involved with the fish farmers and really letting them lead in what they wanted to see, you know, and how how these products would develop. So I can ramble about this for, you know, some time, but I'd better let you come back to your questions. No, I just really like this part of the interview, actually, where I get to know the people personally rather than the business or the business head themselves. So it's quite interesting that you mentioned that your background was from the screenwriting. I haven't heard that from some of our guests. So really varied background in the industry, what makes this industry very interesting. But I also think that, and just for our audience listeners, Ace Aquatech is a very much award-winning company in terms of innovation. And I think because of your leadership, coming from a different point of view, not being from the technical or what have you, make that happen. So I really acknowledge you for bringing that to the table with all your expertise, whether that's in agriculture or not, or tech or not. So which leads me to my second question. What's one thing you can share with a business aquaculturist that can make a big difference in their organization? I think probably across the board, it's being able to turn your attention to the way a business is set up and being not afraid to make radical changes and to let go. You know, when I first started in this business, the toughest thing was being able to trust other companies, whether it was at the very beginning of just handing over core IP to subcontractors and feeling that you can, you know, trust them to take your system design and, you know, work together. And so it really became a core and a central part of our ethos as a company to work in partnership, whether it's with academics or with subcontractors, other suppliers, or the customers themselves. It really has been totally about leading with the trust. Obviously, you need to do your due diligence, make sure you're working with the right people. But definitely not being too clingy. And I think if there was any sort of fault in the way the company first began under John, it was just perhaps the feeling of ownership or possessiveness about that innovation. And in a way that that kind of meant it didn't proceed as as quickly or as impactfully as it could have done. So I, I think across the board, whatever industry you're in, I think the ability to recognize 
when there's other talents, you know, that can be brought into a business, you've got to trust people and to let them take hold of it and run with it. And you can find yourself in a really fantastic and interesting place in a short space of time. So yeah, for what that's worth, that that would be my take on my time in the business. I think that's really brilliant. And it's fascinating because I just finished attending a Global Entrepreneur Summit. And this is at the core of what the message was about, that bringing in people that have other talents to supply what you needed, especially Of course, everybody knows how Wikipedia was able to get off the ground because it was a collaborative approach in sustainable partnerships. But this got me into thinking in terms of what technology recently are you guys innovating in terms of, you know, when cryptocurrency came, now it's NFT or non-fungible tokens. Is there any talks about, I don't know if you heard the words DAO, which is decentralized autonomous organizations. And this is very much aligned wherein people have different expertise bringing to the table, just like what happened with Wikipedia. Any tips? Going back to system innovation, I mean, We've got a lot of new innovations that are on the the slate. I mean, nearly 40 systems are in development right now. They've not all come from us. You know, it's come from conversations with customers. It's come from the relationships we, as I say, we've had with academics. You can take the approach of trying to build everything in-house and you can end up almost with a a juggernaut of a, a company that moves very slowly. It can't pivot it's not especially dynamic. And I think there's a bunch of examples of those sorts of businesses out there. But I think if you keep you know, a nimble team, you keep your interests, and as I say, your, your trust and partnerships, it means that you can see you know, any of the problems that emerge, you can pivot very quickly and, and bring in the right expertise to become sort of a leader in a particular field. And that you know, definitely is the case with some of the new innovations that we've been working on recently. I mean, we've as I say, I started not being an engineer, but you know we've developed, and this one was in-house, the electric stunner to address welfare concerns. But we've moved into automation and camera systems, which we've had no expertise or experience before. And you know, there's just such a huge momentum at the moment uh, in AI. And I think it's easy to sort of look at this and go, wow, there's companies out there like Google that are doing incredible things. How could I ever be a, an expert in that? Well, even the relationships we've had with graduates from university, you see the open access to all of this information and the sheer level of learning that they're doing as a graduate. And you can pull in those resources and really accelerate your your innovation. So I think if the question was around sort of open source and decentralized knowledge, absolutely, that's that's where you know the world is headed. Um, whether it's you know in the banking space and you know really opening that up with facilities or apps that give you the ability to quickly access finance or to arrange or make arrangements with customers. I mean, all of these things. And it's really at the heart is moving business into a dynamic space, particularly around AI and and portals. And I think all businesses, you know, especially under the, the lockdown, have been turning their focus and grappling with that and just seeing what huge potential there is, you know, across the board in that respect. Brilliant. Just brilliant. So my last question to you is, share what's your biggest insight in the last decade or more since you've been in this? Biggest insight over the last decade? Well, I think I would probably put it on the point that I made at the beginning of this podcast, which was on the customer's willingness to seek out innovation. And that was really I don't know why it was a surprise, but I think it's because we see certain industries in a particular light when you're not involved with them. 
But actually, when you get embedded in there, it's the, you know, the enthusiasm and the willingness of people just to fix problems. And I think that's really inspirational and it motivates you to want to do more and to collaborate with people. So I, I think it's a quite a, a broad answer. It's just really, you know, there's plenty of tools out there. There's plenty of fantastic technologies. They're all operating in different spaces. That's exciting in its own right. But I think it's great to be able to find the enthusiasm, you know, on the side of a cage in the middle of Shetland or whether it might be to implement these technologies and to really get involved with them and try to have a hand in shaping how they operate and what features and functions are being provided to guarantee better welfare for the fish. Because it's ultimately for these men and women on the cages is absolutely about providing a better experience for the fish. They're ultimately shepherds to their fish. And we're all interested in applying new technologies, new ways to you know, monitor the growth of fish to ensure that they're getting a good deal on these farms and are not being neglected or mistreated. So that's what I would focus on in that answer. Thank you very much. So my biggest takeaway from our conversation today was when you were talking about trusting people. I think with the world now that's very much needed is specifically when you wanted to be responsible with what your area of influence is because no one is an island, as they say, it's an adage. And so how they can get in touch with you, Nathan, or Ace for that matter. You can find us on the website and my email there, nathan at aceaquitech.com. Equally on LinkedIn, I get a lot of reach out from people on there through the messaging service. So please feel free, whatever's easiest for you. And very happy to talk or to partner. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks again, Nathan. And then so to our subscribers, as always, we appreciate your time listening to the show. Remember, you build a home in the Philippines via b1g1.com for every episode. So share away. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues, and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.